Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. All right. Uh, Welcome, everybody, here. And uh, for those watching online, thank you for tuning in as well. Uh, Like Pastor Mike said, we are launching into a brand new series this morning, Game Changer. And uh, we're excited about it because we're really looking at a letter that Paul wrote to the people of Thessalonica. And the church that Paul started there was incredible. They were doing some incredible things, but they were young. And so Paul, he writes them this letter of encouragement saying, you you guys got this. You can do this, right? But it's also a letter of of correction, trying to bring them back in line a little bit and and challenge as well, uh, helping them to remain a game-changing church in Thessalonica. And throughout this series, we're going to be looking at how we can be game-changers as individuals and in our individual sphere of influence. But uh, today, we're going to be looking at the church as a whole. Now, talking about church and attending church, like one of the biggest reasons people uh, stop going to church or they stop serving in the church or they're just turned off to the whole thing altogether is because they or someone they're close to had an experience, right? And you might might be able to relate to this. They had an experience where the church wasn't um, functioning as it's supposed to be, right? And so uh, they get what we call burned by the church or by church people or uh, whatnot. And so what they end up doing is either stop going to church altogether or they do what we lovingly call church hopping, right? And they go from one church to the other looking for the perfect church, which is kind of silly because any church you go to is going to be filled with people. Um, and so it, it's, it's kind of a, a, a tough deal, right? But honestly, maybe, maybe you felt that tension. Maybe you're here today and it's your first time this morning, but you've been and you've had a first time at seven other churches over the last two months, right? And let me just say, that's okay. We're glad you found your way here, but where my mind goes is that you're missing out on what the church is, is really all about. When you can be a part of and, and function as a part of a, a local church and call it your church home, there's so many good things that can come out of that, so many blessings that can come out of that. And a church functioning the way it's supposed to be can be, as we're, we're calling this series, a game changer in your life, in our lives, as we attend here, but also it could be a game changer in the community that it's in and, and beyond that. And so as we get started in this letter, uh, it's important to understand a little bit about who Paul is, is writing to. See, Paul, we talked about him a, a couple weeks ago. He's on this mission to reach Gentiles, non-Jewish uh, people. And one of these, the places he goes is Thessalonica, which is probably the closest thing that, that you get to a modern American city back then. I mean, it was wealthy, right? It had hot springs. It was a, it was a center of commerce because it was located on a major Roman road. But it was also a melting pot of people and beliefs. I mean, there were barbarians and Greeks and Romans and Jews all in this city. And, and by teaching this new message of Jesus, Paul gets himself kicked out of town. And so later, he's writing back to this church he started in Thessalonica. 
because some of these new believers were struggling in their faith, and, and some of them were being persecuted and suffering because of their commitment to Christ, and understandably, they, they were getting a bit discouraged. And so we see throughout this letter, Paul is trying to lift them up, saying things like, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. And Paul reminds them that regardless of your circumstances, regardless of how, how you find yourself right now, you can do this. You got this. And he's lifting them up. And if you want to be a game changer in Thessalonica, you've got you to lift each other up. You've got to do this together. Now, right at the beginning of this letter, Paul thanks God for these people. He thanks God for this church. He loves them. So what is it about uh, this church that, that sets them apart? What's so great about the church in Thessalonica? So let's start in uh, 1 Thessalonians verse 1. Here we go. It says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God and the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for you, uh, for all of you, and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, before we continue through this chapter um, and we pass this, the order of what he's saying here is important. He says, we remember you because of your work, your labor, and your endurance. But he also has some qualifiers there. He says, your work rooted in faith. Right? Our work should, should always be rooted in faith. He says, your labor prompted by love. And yes, our labor should always be a labor of love. And he says, your endurance inspired by hope, our, our ability to endure comes from the hope that we have in Jesus. And if we, if we get these things wrong, if we get these things backwards, we start getting in trouble because um, without real hope that, that we're secure in Jesus, how can we possibly endure, right? If our, if our labor isn't rooted in love, what, what good is it? And if our work isn't coming out of, out of our faith, it's, it's not springing out of our faith, the Bible talks about it's dead. Our, our works are dead. So the, import, the, the order is important. So let's move on. He says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. And the, the Greek word for imitators there is where we get our word mime, and, but it means more, and it speaks of more than just external mimic, mimicry. In the Greek, it means to really emulate in every way, to have the same heart, the same attitude, the same actions. And so they were looking at Paul and his companions here as, as models of Christ, as models of, of Jesus. He goes on, he says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Acacia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Acacia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell us, they tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son uh, from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from our coming wrath. Okay, chapter one. So a church that is a game changer is one that's, that's centered around one thing, the gospel. 
right? Without the gospel, a church isn't functioning the way it's supposed to be. Without the gospel, it's not doing the things that it's supposed to do. But, but here's the thing. We know this. Most churches are going to say that they're, they're gospel-centered, they're gospel-based. So, so what's different about the, the church in Thessalonica? What's different about a true game-changing church? And I'm going to cover three things. And the first one is that the gospel in a game-changing church is preached with power. Okay? Look, at, look again at verse 4 and 5. It says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. And that, that the word gospel means good news. And it absolutely is good news. Right? The good news is that we're created by a loving God. We're not here by accident. We're not here drifting in a, in a meaningless um, uh, you know, world. We're, we have a purpose. We have an identity. And we're created by design by a God who loves and knows each one of us. But the problem is that we've all sinned. The Bible talks about how we've all sinned. And that separates us from God. That separates um, and there's a spiritual death that happens and separates us from God. Because God's perfect. And we're not. And so in and of ourselves, we're lost. But God loved us anyways, and he sent his son to restore that relationship, to bring us back to him. John 3.16 is just a beautiful verse that we use uh, often. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish or die but have eternal life. Right? God loved us too much to allow us to drift into a meaningless eternity. And so he paid the price by dying on the cross, sending Jesus to die on the cross, and he came back from the grave. And if we trust him, if we trust him and put our faith in him as our Savior, he forgives our sins and restores that relationship, and he promises that we can spend eternity with him. And the great news about this is that's a free gift. It's a free gift. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We just receive it by faith in, in Jesus Christ. Right? The Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin, the penalty of that sin is, is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so you don't, you don't earn salvation right, by, by going to church, coming to church, or keeping the Ten Commandments is a common one that, that people think, or by giving to the church, or, or doing the right things. Right? It's simply a free gift by faith. That's so important. The gift was costly, right? It, it cost Jesus his life, but it, but it costs us nothing. And so a game-changing church is one where that, that message, the gospel message, this message of free grace through Christ and through faith is a priority. Right? And Paul says uh, to the Corinthians, he says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, For what I received, I passed on to you as, it, as of first importance. It's a priority, as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. And this, this is something we take uh, pretty seriously. And of course, we talk often about the free gift of God's grace uh, here. And it's easy to think that this is the only place that that can happen. But every year, Every year, one of our biggest outreach events is coming up. It's Backyard Bible Clubs. And every year, hundreds of kids meet in their backyards, and they play silly games, and they eat snacks, but they hear the gospel through our church. Right? And this, this isn't just a student ministry event. Yes, they do the heavy lifting, right? But, but every single one of you is invited to be a part of Backyard Bible Clubs. And frankly, we need you to be a part 
of backyard, backyard Bible clubs, especially this year, right? We need, we need host homes. We need snack people. We need drivers. We need prayer warriors, right? This is a huge opportunity to, to be a part of a game-changing church where the gospel is preached with power. And we're we're going to come back to that in a moment. But the second thing that, that Paul talks about here that sets the Thessalonian church apart and a game-changing church apart is that the gospel is received with joy. The gospel is received with joy. Verse 6, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Spirit. And so they received the word of God with joy. In fact, Paul later in chapter 2, he says, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the, the, the human word, but as it actually is, the word of God. And their faith, it made an impact on the people around them and uh, in other, other areas as well. And if we engage in this with joy, we receive the, the word of God with joy and we engage, we can make an impact on those around us as well in this community and, and beyond. Josh Bissell, our worship director, a couple years ago, he had, he had an incredible message uh, talking specifically about worship and, and worshiping together and how that uh, can have a, a benefit to you as an individual, but it can also impact. It has the potential to impact the people around you. And he, he referenced Ephesians, Ephesians 5, which says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs, of the Spirit, this idea that by, by singing, by, by worshiping together, right, we can be filled with the Spirit. And so understand this. You're not just here singing and learning and being engaged for your own benefit. But you're here, and it has the potential to, to impact the people around you as well. Now, And it can be a game changer for the people around you. So when I was uh, graduating high school, um, just a bit of honesty here, I, I started drifting in my faith. I got into college. I wasn't all that interested in finding a church to connect to. I wasn't all that interested in, in finding Christian clubs on campus. Um, left to my own devices, I was drifting. And so one day I, I go to the cafeteria and I, I see two people praying over their gross cafeteria food. And to, to me, that, that was really strange at the time. And then a couple days later, I got uh, introduced to the weirdos. And um, a couple days after that, they invited me to the, the campus like Christian fellowship. And when I got around others that were interested in faith and engaged in what was happening and in spiritual things, it was a game changer for me. I don't know if I would be talking to you today if it weren't for the people I met that day. And I'm sure they have no idea on the impact they made on my life just by being present, being encouraging, in engaging together and singing and learning. Okay, so these things, these things have, have potential to impact others. And that's why Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And now we, we do that online. We have people uh, watching online right now, engaging and learning and worshiping together. But we also have online Bible studies and groups that meet and encourage and pray for one another. And so let me give you a couple suggestions on how to engage um, and stay engaged, right? First, come with an attitude. Come to church or log on to church with an attitude that God is going to transform your life. God's in the business of transforming lives. That's what he does. So come with an attitude. Come with a thought that he can do that in your life and he will do that in your life. 
The second thing is listen. I mean, listening can be difficult, <laughs> to say the least. There's so many distractions. But listen, it takes focus. And you can, you can show how you're engaging by how you hold yourself, your, your nods, your smiles, your, your sighs. When I tell bad jokes, you can laugh. It's, it's really okay. The person next to you might judge you for laughing, but it's okay. So a game-changing church is one where the gospel is preached with power. It's received with joy. And in the last few verses, Paul has one more thing, uh, one more mark of a game-changing church. It's a, it's a church where the gospel is shared with others. Shared with others. Verses 7 and 9. Again, it says, And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Acacia. The Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Acacia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. So this church, this church shared the gospel. And when a church kind of focuses on itself and they're kind of all internal, it's rough. It's rough to be a part of that church because there's no additions, there's no visitors, there's no growth. It's all just looking in on itself. But a church, in the church in Thessalonica, they were sharing it with others. They were spreading it around. It was reaching out. They were reaching out, and it was growing. And that word translated for rang out in this passage is the Greek term exekeo, where we get our word echo from which is really interesting because they, they took the message that Paul gave them and they, they echoed it out. They, they um, repeated it and repeated it and sent it out. And it's actually where we get our youth ministry name, Echo, that, that idea that God is the voice and we're the echo pushing that out. And I, I hope it excites you to think about how we're reaching people with the gospel message. If it's in Hill Country Kids, uh, on a Sunday morning or, or stu- our student ministry or when we see kids coming to faith through our backyard Bible clubs or whenever some of you invite people here and they come to faith. That's exciting. That's encouraging. And I hope you're excited about that. Not to mention the, the many missionaries that we send out into the world and, and they're sharing the gospel all over the world. It's, it's encouraging to know that the gospel is getting out beyond these walls and into the world because of this church. One of the reasons the the Thessalonians were so effective at this was because they were changed by the gospel. Paul said, everybody is talking about how you turn from idols to serve the living and true God. Everybody's talking about it. This this has been kind of called rumor evangelism, that the idea that the world starts talking about and spreading rumors whenever people's lives are being changed. Right, that like what what's going on there? What are they all about? And I'm personally encouraged to be serving and working here because I I've heard a lot of those stories about the reason people are here are some sometimes it's backyard Bible clubs, sometimes it's a, a different ministry, but uh, because the gospel is getting out into the into the community where it's being preached with power, where it's being received with joy, and people are are sharing it. But here's the thing, we're, we're coming out of some lockdowns and quarantines, and now we're working on getting that same gospel message out into the, the community, into the hearts of kids and students and adults all over this area. And, and again, we need your help with that. We need your help. We need men and people. We need people uh, that are willing to invest in the lives of kids on church, in church on Sunday. We need men and women who've been changed by the gospel pouring into our students so they can grow up and live out their faith in college and in grad school. Right? We, need, 
Uh, we need families. Gosh, we need families right now that are willing to be host homes, to invite kids from their neighborhood into their homes so they can, yeah, play some silly games. They can sing some silly songs and eat some uh, sugary snacks, but so they can ultimately hear the gospel. That's what we need right now. And those aren't the only places that make a difference, right? From everybody from the, the person in the lobby welcoming you in to the person running the lights to the person back in the kids, Hill Country kids playing with the, uh, the little ones, right? We work together to build a game-changing church. For the people that are here, for the people that are online, right? We work together to do that. So as we wrap this thing up uh, this morning, I want you to pray about and consider being a part of a game-changing church, being a part of a ministry where the gospel is preached with power, where it's received with joy, and where the, the gospel is, is, is shared with others. Not that you have to do all of those things, but you're a part of it. And then experience the life change, the transformation in you and in the, in the people that you're serving. It's so powerful. This is a huge thing. Expect life change. Expect life change when these things are happening. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you've given us this letter of encouragement and correction and challenge. God, that you can challenge us as a church as we get your gospel out. We get your good news of, of, of a free gift of salvation through faith. As we get that out into our, our community and into the lives of kids and students and adults. And God, I pray for, for everyone here that they would want to be a part of that. Not just attend a game-changing church, but be a part of and function as a part of a game-changing church. God, thank you for the challenge that it is. But thank you that you do it with us and that you transform our lives at the same time. God, we love you and pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so this week, pray about it. Pray about being a part of what we're doing here, being a part of a, uh, of a ministry. And if it's backyard Bible clubs or children's ministry or student ministry or anything else, uh, we have a team at the Red Tent that you can talk to even this morning just to get some um, information. Or if you're online, you can go to hillcountry.life slash volunteer and fill that out, and we'll get you some more information as well. Guys, thank you so much, and we will see you next week.